0: Um, Before we uh, sing the first hymn, let's say a short prayer, okay? Lord God, we just uh, thank you for the blessings of today, for the sunshine on our faces, for the beauty of the place that we live in, for the majestic scene of creation that we see around us every day. We know, Lord, there are many in our country who do not believe in you, they Um, choose to be their own gods rather than serve you. Help us always to serve you. Help us to see the evidences of your work all around us each and every day. As we sing today and as we pray, as we commune, as we hear your words proclaimed, help us to focus our minds and our thoughts centered around you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, let's stand and sing the first song. As the year hands for the water
1: for my soul. to remember those who are sick and hurting this morning that can't be with us we just got word that brother hank harris had a fall and broke his arm he's in the hospital we pray that you'll be with hank during this hard time and comfort them and help him to recover we pray for all who are sick and hurting we pray for mitchy robinson and calvin nobles and william sands and so many more we can't recall their names that you'll be with them heal them and bring them back to us soon we thank you for this great and free country you've given us to live in. We pray for our leaders at this time that that you will soften their hearts and they will humble themselves and start working together to fix this great country and that they will forget things of the past and start moving forward. Be with us now as we open your book and help us all to pay attention. May the things we say and do bring honor and glory to your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Okay, we'll sing this song, and then we'll uh, take the Lord's Supper together, okay? <clears throat> and if the words don't make it up there, just continue on, okay? <laughs> okay. <clears throat>
2: As we uh, take this Lord's Supper, let's reflect on the uh, the situation when this was occurring. That uh, Jesus was in front of people that he cared about, people that stayed by his side, and uh, you know he he could have partaked of of anything he wanted. We could be eating bacon wrap filet mignon this morning, or or lamb, or anything. He could have had anything, but I think. The message of the bread and wine is His body and the blood, but it is not in which you're what you're consuming; it's in who you're doing it with. That's important. And every time that I get the opportunity to come up here, I realize, man, what a what a great opportunity! What what awesome people to share this with every Sunday, you know? And uh, I know there's nothing that each other would not do for each other in here, you know, that we. If somebody needed help you would be right there and uh what a what an awesome feeling that is will you uh will you pray with me as we uh share the share the bread heavenly father as we take this bread that that shows that you came here as as a little baby and and grown as a man and you live righteous on this land father that uh you were just trying to teach us and show us the right way to do things and, and what we could be. But the whole time, Father, you knew we were gonna fall short. You knew who we were. And you still graciously given your body for us. So as we take this bread, let us be mindful of how much you loved us. In Jesus name, amen. And as we take this fruit, um, let's be mindful of what this represents Pray with me, please Heavenly fathers we take this fruit of the vine This is a symbol to me father that Your perfect plan has been completed When you shed your blood on that cross Everything that was going to be was going to be done at that point and Everything that was promised was going to be delivered at that point So as we take this fruit of the vine, let us not be mistaken that everything has been prepared and everything is ready. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Okay, and
0: before Matt uh, speaks to us this morning, let's stand and sing this song.
4: so we're continuing our series on the Lord is faithful you can trust him more than you can trust yourself and we're in judges but before we get there I want to remind you because it's been a few weeks since we've discussed this I want to remind you where we started we started with a man Abraham who was just a man and he was being led by God and that man turned into a family and that family turned into a nation and it's extremely important to remember how this all came together okay that 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 family was actually used to spare the world through famine. It brought Egypt to power and world dominance, okay? And then remember that this family turned into a nation of people in Egypt. And Egypt enslaved them. And then they witnessed the miracles of God. They witnessed the miracles of God. They witnessed the plagues of God. They witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They witnessed the manna. We could go through the list of things they witnessed. They witnessed a lot. On a daily basis, they were seeing God's power. And then they come to Canaan, remember? And we were talking about that in the, in the generation that missed their destiny because of their doubt. And they sent in the twelve spies, and ten were bad, and two were good, those two being Joshua and Caleb being the good ones. So they wandered for forty years, and here we are. We've just went through the conquest of Canaan with Joshua. And we focused on very specific things. For example, we know that through Joshua, through the conquest of Canaan, we saw God still working for the people of Israel. We saw God delivering victory for the people of Israel, okay? So here we are. Remember, we left off where Joshua was saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we found that Joshua and Caleb, they did what they were supposed to do. They finished the plan, okay? They cleared everybody out of their boundaries. They did what the Lord said. But then we get into Judges. Now, I want to say before I start, Judges... Judges is not a small book. It's a big book. There's plenty of stuff we could talk about in Judges, but I can explain Judges very easily for you in five minutes. In fact, I'm going to. But I want you to remember where we left off. I want you to remember where we were at before we move into Judges. Judges chapter 1 starts where you, like I said, you have Joshua, you have Caleb, they've done their... now we're looking at the rest of the tribes. And it starts with, who's going to go? Who's going to finish? Who's going to finish doing what God called us to do? Who's going to finish the conquest of Canaan? And each tribe has something that they still need to do. So you find out that Judah will go first, and Judah will have the blessing of the Lord. And you look at chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 22, and you find out that Joseph will go, and Joseph will have the blessing of the Lord. But I skipped verses, didn't I? And I did it on purpose, because I want you to see that these people were promised the blessing of the Lord. They had seen it. They watched the, te- they watched the walls come down in Jericho. I read one specifically to you a few weeks ago now that was talking about a war where the, basically the, the, the remaining kings of Canaan decided to come against Israel at once. Instead of waiting... For the conquest, they came together and tried to attack Israel. And I read to you where the hail and the things like that were actually destroying more people than Israel itself. God was literally winning the war for them. They've seen it, they've experienced it. They've been told, God is with you, God will go before you, God will win the battle. And we're in Judges 1, Joshua has died. (laughs) And nobody wants to go finish the task. That's what Judges 1 is. Judges 2 is really the summary of what you're going to read in the rest of Judges. So I'm going to read a little bit for you real quick. Verse 1, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Botcham, and he said, I brought you up, out, uh, up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall break down their altars. Listen to this part because I'm telling you, I'm way ahead in this series in my preparation. Okay? I'm way into the divided kingdoms. Listen to what I just read you because literally what I was working on yesterday for future part of this series is breaking down... Okay, and what I just read to you, all right, verse 2, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. See, they were supposed to march out there, and everything was going to go just as it had gone all through the reign of Joshua. Things were just going to fall before them because they had God, and God was going to win the war. Okay? But they refused. They refused. So now what has God said? He says, you know what? For at least the time being, they're going to become thorns in your side, and you will not be able, you will not be able to drive them out of your land. You didn't want to do it? So be it. Okay? And it says the people wept, but... Again, I call it botch Maybe you want to pronounce it some way different, but it's easy for me because it's where they botched it all up, okay? All right. And all Verse 10, and all that generation, I know I'm skipping around, but I'm trying to give you the highlights here. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Think about this. You've just got into the promised land. You just saw the mighty works of God, and it takes one generation to separate Israel to become a generation that did not know the Lord. How does that happen? One generation sees the miracles of God, experiences the deliverance. One generation later, they don't even know the Lord. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. And I have to get on my my box for a minute, okay? And I have to stand up for God in this moment. And I have to tell you that I will fight universalism till the day that I die. Okay, because this is what you're experiencing in Israel right now. And look what it's doing to Israel. Is it going to lead to good places for Israel? Those of you who know the story, the history of Israel, are we on a path to amazing things for Israel? No, we're not. And what are they doing? They're serving the Baals, not Baal, not singular. They're serving the Baals, plural. In other words, all those ancient gods, they're all the same. All that worship, it goes to the same place. And guess where it doesn't go? It doesn't go to God. So they worship the Baals. Go look at your ancient cultures, do a little deep dive in your old religions, and realize they all come from the same cloth. They're all in the same area. Universalism is the modern-day worship of Baals, plural. I want to be real clear about that. The world is trying to preach that because we don't fully know God, because we can't fully understand God, because we can't fully grasp what the actual truth is, that anything you worship, therefore, is God. You ever heard that? Anything you worship, God, in his infinite wisdom, he understands that your tiny little mind can't wrap its head around the full truth. So therefore, no matter who you pray to, no matter how you live, no matter what you worship and how you worship, That goes to God. Let me tell you something. Read this slowly. (laughs) Read Judges slowly. Read the Kings slowly. Read the divided kingdoms slowly. When we get to some of the stuff that I'm going to show you in the divided kingdoms, it's going to blow your mind. When I told you that God wanted Canaanites smited from the earth and there was a reason for that, Oh, just wait.
3: It's in the scripture.
4: Okay? But it's very important to understand Israel already tried this, Israel already tried this universal idea. It's so hard when you're so much further ahead, man, there's so much I want to say right now. I can't say it. i got to wait. Okay. Later on in chapter 2, whenever the Lord... So this is the summary of Judges, right? Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them the lord was with ju- the judge and he, he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge for the lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them even though israel continues to stray away from god over and over and over again bring their own consequences am- among themselves by, based on their own choices based on them walking away from god based on them leaving the law of god Even though they keep doing it to themselves over and over and over again, God still has pity on them. I want you to remember that. God still has pity on them. That's out of love. But too, it's out of faithfulness. Don't forget this, these are the people, this is the bloodline
3: that the Messiah comes from. This is the promise to man. And boy. Does it get ugly? Judges is just the beginning.
4: So it says, but whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers. It was a degrading regression going after other gods serving them and bowing down to them they did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways so the anger of the lord was kindled against israel and he commanded their fathers and have not obey their fathers and have not obeyed my voice i will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that joshua left when he died in order to test israel by them whether they will <coughs> excuse me whether they will <coughs> take care to walk in the way of the lord as their fathers did or not All that supremacy, all that dominance that had come from the wars, how easily, right? We talked about how they wandered for 40 years. They basically took over Canaan in four. On the back of an old man being Joshua. Right? All that dominance is gone. Judges chapter two. Sober. Now, for the rest of the lesson, I'm, we're going to follow the angel of the Lord. And one of the things I want to say is there is a big debate on who the angel of the Lord is, and we can get into that all you want. There are some very interesting things in Judges. Judges, the angel of the Lord appears probably more, especially in the size of the book, right? Probably more than anywhere else in all the Bible. Angel of the Lord's all over in Judges. Okay? Now, I don't want to get too hung up on whether the angel of the Lord is Jesus of the Old Testament or not. I will tell you that there are some very interesting things that happen in Judges specifically towards the angel of the Lord. Something to take note of, something to look at for yourself, but we're looking at it from a 30,000-foot view, right? We're not trying to get too specific. So why did I pick the angel of the Lord through Judges? Because to me, every time the angel of the Lord shows up, it's a marker. God's about to do something, okay? It is a marker for our throughout all of humanity, God is about to do something, right? And the first time that God shows up, I mean, the angel of the Lord shows up, he shows up with Gideon. (laughs) That's my kids. He shows up with Gideon, okay? And I want you to look at what Gideon says to the angel of the Lord. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? (laughs) If the Lord is with us, then why why are we here? Anybody ever feel like that? Why why is my life this way? Why has things turned out this way? And we want to look at God, and we want to point all the fingers at God, and we don't point any of them at ourselves. Why is Israel where they are? Because they abandoned God. They started worshiping the false gods. They did basically everything God told them not to do. And yet here is Gideon, who's about to be a mighty man of God. And what's he saying? Where'd God go? Not,
3: look what we've done. Where'd God go? Okay.
4: And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, starting to sound like we're wandering in the desert again, and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not send, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest and Manasseh what's Manasseh Manasseh is the half tribe that came from Joseph okay he's saying look I'm not even a full-blooded tribe and I'm in the weakest tribe of Israel okay now you might think of that from the perspective of a bloodline but this is another thing I want you to understand that's happening and you will start to see it even more and more clearly I am telling you I'm going to teach you some of this stuff in a way you might have never heard it taught before Because we're going to look at it from the whole perspective. We're not going to teach it like it's a Bible story. We're going to teach it like it's history. And we understand how culture works, correct? So there's politics involved in what he's saying. I want you to understand that. He's from a tribe that has some of the least say in all of Israel. Don't miss that. There's a culture that's being developed in Israel right now amongst God's people that is anti-God the Father, anti-Yahweh. We're going to see that come real heavy in the near future in our study. Okay? So that's what he's saying. And I'm the least in my father's house. I have nothing compared to my other siblings. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Of course he has doubts. And those doubts, they, God gives them signs. Right? First, the angel of the Lord takes an offering. It's a very important thing to look at. So then the angel of the Lord reach out, to uh, the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. The fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived, perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He was worried he was going to die because he had seen the angel of the Lord face to face. This is one of those moments where if you want to say the angel of the Lord is Jesus... You might have a point, right? God has told his people over and over up to this point, if you saw my face, right? And there's a reason why when Moses got to see God, he got to see the back of God, not the face of God. And that's Gideon's understanding right here. I'm going to die. I've just seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I'm going to die, okay? But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there, to the Lord, and called it, the Lord is peace, okay? Prince of peace. To this day, it still stands at Oprah, which belongs to the Abyssalites. All right? Again, I've told you my feelings about the angel of the Lord. I've told you that Hebrews 1 is hard for me to get around, but I will say, if you want to make a case for the angel of the Lord being Jesus, here, here's your chances, okay? Here's your chances. I don't want to get too sidetracked with that, but I do want to point it out. Again, we're looking at it from the point that there's a marker that's coming. You ever heard of the 300? Anybody ever watched the movie 300? Anybody ever read the book about the 300? Talking about the Romans? Right? What happened to those 300? They died, didn't they? Because they weren't the real 300. You know why? Because they didn't serve the real God. Gideon is the story of the real 300. Okay, Now, I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this. You imagine going against an army that takes upon, verse 12, right? Imagine what they saw. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts In abundance, and their camels were without number, as the sand that is on the seashore is in abundance. Think of that compared to 300 people. Think of that compared to 300 people.
3: We know how the story works out, right?
4: They surround the camp, they scream, they shout, they play trumpets. They put fires in jars. And the Midianites and the Amalekites think they're surrounded by this great army. And they get in confusion, and they actually attack each other. See, the people forgot who's fighting for them. Had to be reminded. Here's another one. This is Samson, Right? Let me just say something about Samson real quick before I get too far into Samson. Samson is probably not the guy you look at and you think, man, if there's anybody in the Bible, I want my kid to be like it's Samson. Right? In fact, some of us look at Samson and we think, okay, I guess this is a man of God. <laughs> All right? It's not like he actually lived a perfect life. It's not like he's somebody that did things that everybody was like, man, that was the perfect idea. But he was a man of God. And he did serve a purpose. And he was announced by the angel of the Lord. Have you ever considered that? Okay? Now, what I want you to focus on, because I'm running out of time, because I spoke a little bit too much about stuff at the beginning, is that one, yet again, Samson's mom is barren. Remember how I kept telling you there's this, there's this thing that keeps happening with barren, woman in the, barren women in the Bible? It's this thing that keeps happening. You know why? Because you can't, when you know you're barren, and you have a child, who do you give credit to? Who do you give credit to? Do you give credit to your husband? There's only one person to give credit to, right? That's the Lord. Okay, we're gonna keep going. Uh, Look we'll at all the way at the bottom down here, because we gotta move quick here. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And I put begin in red on purpose because is Samson going to completely deliver Israel from the Philistines? No. The Philistines are going to be a thorn in Israel's side for quite a while still. But this is the beginning of the end of the Philistines, and God has already promised it to his people, and we know how that works out, right? We know that Samson has this big fall from grace, so to speak, right? We know that he loses all of his power. We know that he gets surrounded by the enemy, and the enemy is literally mocking him, and there's nothing he can do. He's lost all this amazing power from God. You know, Samson didn't do everything right. Samson didn't do everything exactly the way you want him to, but you know what Samson never did? He never lost his faith in God. And in that moment, when everybody thought he was at his weakest, He was actually at his strongest. And he prayed to God and his strength returned and he smashed that tower with his own bare hands. And the Philistines retreated. Why is that important? Because in Judges 14, we just entered the promised land. We just had a conquest in the defeat Of many of the Canaanites in the promised land and by Judges 14 what do you find is Israel still free no they're being ruled by the Philistines they're being ruled by the people they were told to drive out not after Samson so then judges takes a quick turn And there's something you start to see. It's the foreshadow of what's to come, but it's also the excuse of the people. It's the culture that is building. Please understand that we have to look at this also from a cultural and political perspective because that's what we're building. We're building a country, and a country has its own culture, and a country has its own politics. Okay, And one of the things that the people are starting to say over and over towards the end of Judges is, we don't have a king. You know what the problem is? You know what the problem with our country is? It's not the fact that we keep abandoning God. It's not the fact that God's supposed to be our king and we haven't made him the Lord of our life. It's none of that. It's we don't have a king like every other country. You know why there's no law? You know why there's no order? You know why there's lawlessness in our land? Because that's what it keeps saying. Look at it yourself. Because we don't have a king. King going to solve anything? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to show you. So what's the point? What's the point of Judges? Why would God even put in the Bible such a weird time in Israel's history? Don't forget what they've seen. Don't forget what they've experienced. You wish in your life, in this present time, that you could have experienced one day like those generations, don't you? Just one day where you saw the power of God in a way you could not mistake it. Just one day where God felt more
3: relevant than the world. They lived it. Every day. They experienced it.
4: And yet they fall over and over and over again. Guess what? That's the story of us too, is isn't it? It really is. Have you not had your own moments? Have you not had your own experiences? Do they really need to shake the whole world for you to understand that God is real? That God is alive? You've had your own experiences. Those of us who have walked, are walking in the Lord, we have experiences all the time if we're being honest. God is reminding us He is real and alive and active in our lives all the time. And we still have our moments where we're down. And we doubt. And we struggle. And we still have our trials that are refining us. And it's easy to get down. I've talked to a lot of people in my life who who act like they've actually got to the point. This is so important. Please listen to me. They act like They've gotten to a place in their life where they cannot be redeemed anymore. Oh, God knows everything about me. There's no way he would forgive me. Right? The favorite one I hear is the most ridiculous one because they're they're mistaking Zeus with Yahweh. Okay? But there's all kinds of people who will say to you, if I walked into the church building, what's going to happen to me? Lightning's going to strike me. I'm not even going to make it through the doors. God, you can't get to that point with God. If Israel couldn't get to that point with God, with all the things we've already seen, and I am telling you, it's going to get a lot worse. We're going to get to a point where it's going to be hard for us to imagine how Jesus could come from these people. And I'm just talking about God's people. But here's the truth. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Listen, I don't care what you did yesterday. Neither does God. Listen, if we were going to be banished to hell based on the actual deeds that came from our lives, there would be no point in being here already for most of us, if not all of us. Certainly not me on this stage.
3: You can't get too far from God.
4: That's why I will always put my hope in Him no matter what life brings. No matter what this world has me facing, there is one thing that can't, they can't change and that's my hope in God. So maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't been washed in His blood. Maybe you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have not been added to the kingdom of God. You can do that. You can put your hope in the Lord. You can rest assured that what He says will come to fruition because God is more faithful to us than we are to Him which is exactly why you can trust God more than you can trust yourself. I am telling you, you will lead yourself astray. God is the only thing that will keep you on the path. That's it. So I pray in this time where I believe we are going through trial, I pray this is a time of refinement because that's what trial is supposed to bring. Right? Why do you discipline your children? Because you want them to correct the behavior not because you enjoy punishing them. So the whole world's going through this trial right now, and I I pray that we use it to refine us, not allow it to beat us down. Because here's the truth. I'm going to start how I finished. I mean, finish how I started. Here's the truth. There's only one way. There's only one way to eternal life. And you can't call it by many names. It only has one, and that's Jesus Christ. Have you accepted Him? Are you living for Him? For those of us who have. Are we spreading the Word? Are we preaching hope in a time of darkness? Are we being the light? And are we allowing this trial to refine us too and make us stronger and better for it? If there's any need to respond to the invitation, today. You can come as together we stand and sing.
1: Jesus Christ.
5: Appreciate it uh, if you didn't get a bulletin pick one up I'm just gonna touch on some of the areas uh, Ron Gardner uh, he was the brother of Charlie Gardner and was an elder here he passed away just recently so some of you folks probably remember him. most of them you probably don't he was he goes back to about six preachers back here at the congregation um, Daniel Wall is sick uh, but he's feeling better they're supposed to get COVID test results to see whether he had it or not but He's getting better in, in, in any case. Gary Foreman is finally home. Um, he's got a while to go, though, as far as healing, as far as his back and the blood clots he's had and everything else like that. Um, their daughter in law, Elizabeth Foreman, her aunt passed away, so keep her in your prayers. Calvin Nobles is still having a struggle. Uh, he had to go in for some more blood. He had low hemoglobin. He had to go through dialysis again. So keep in your prayers. Hank Harris fell down in the shower uh, and broke his elbow, and we don't know how long he was there in the shower with a broken elbow, it might have been days. So he's in the hospital now uh, being rehydrated and getting his elbow fixed. So keep Hank in your prayers as well. Uh, we got a card from um, the Masseys. Good morning. Well, this virus seems to be staying with us. So far, we don't have it or any of our family. I pray that it will be over soon. I miss the church so much, and I miss all of you. We're all doing okay. It's a good thing we like each other, her and Tommy. We are still praying, staying home. Our girls are doing our shopping, bringing food already cooked, etc. We are so blessed to have them. Thanks for sending the church bulletin so we can keep up with what's going on. Do we have an updated church director? She should ask for that, and I'll see what I can do to get one to her. Mine's outdated, and a lot of people are not listed and or have moved. I'm trying to send cards. God bless. We love you. Hope to see you soon. So if you get a chance, she's trying to send cards out. If you get a chance, you might want to drop one off to uh, Tommy and to Glenda. Just also a note as, as far as the tag toes, um, an update there is they're both doing fine. Uh, they've recovered completely, the Tagtoe family, which was, you know, they're all doing going back and forth between this coast and that coast as far as Brian being in the hospital. Uh, Didn't get an update on Brian, but Sandy had said continue to keep him in your prayers.
0: Continue to keep on encouraging one another. Um, One thing I've noticed about this church, you've done a really good job throughout this Eight or nine months of encouraging one another electronically, or phone calls, um, the website. Um, one of the things, obviously, that the church is meant for is community and to help and encourage one another. And uh, throughout this ordeal, when we've had everyone at arm's length to some degree, that makes it a little bit more difficult because we're really not meant to keep each other at arm's length. We're meant to wrap our arms around each other. And uh, so do that however you can, electronically or um, by word of encouragement or card. Um, This morning as we finish, let's stand and I thought what we'd do is um, read the scripture together and then we're gonna sing the song the steadfast love of the Lord. So let's stand together and let's recite this scripture that Matt concluded with. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The steadfast
3: you bow with me. Heavenly Father, we have heard
1: truth in your words today. We ask that we apply them to our lives. Let everybody in this world see you through us, through our works, through what we say and how we act and share kindness. We ask that you also be with the sick and that you will Heal the ones according to your will. Be with our leaders in the nation. This United States needs to be just that, united, not divided. But through all things, we know that your will will be done. We ask this in your son's holy
3: name, Jesus. Amen.